Journey into space. The BBC presents Jet Morgan in The World in Peril. Jet and the crew of the Discovery are aboard the Martian asteroid 734. Paddy Flynn, who so Jet gathered, had been a prisoner of the Martians for a hundred years, mysteriously disappeared after telling Jet that he intended to lead a rebellion against the Martians. Fearing that some harm might have befallen Paddy, Jet decided to search the corridors of the asteroid for him. So, with Doc and Lemmy, he set out. They wandered through miles of passageways without seeing anybody and then heard the voice of Mitch telling them that with the aid of the vision phone he could not only speak to Jet and his companions but could now see them too. Telling Mitch to keep tuned in to the search party, Jet, Doc and Lemmy continued their walk along the winding corridors. Hey, listen! That's a new noise, isn't it? Now, what does that mean? Uh, where's it coming from? Well, I'd say from further along the corridor, around the corner. Come on, and take it easy. Go back. Hey, somebody said, go back. It is forbidden to come any further. Sounds like... Like a, a woman's voice. No crew personnel are allowed in this section. Go back immediately. A woman? Oh, oh no. What do you mean, oh, no? Don't you remember? Paddy told us he didn't know whether to call him a he or a she. Good grief, yes. The Martian. The one that's on this ship. That must be him. Go back. That's all very well, mate, but where do we go back to? No crew personnel are allowed in this section. Go back immediately. You've said that before. It is forbidden to come any further. You said that before, too. Monotonous, isn't it? Hello, can you hear me? Go back. Hello, who are you? It is forbidden to come any further. I think the idea is that we should turn back. Well, I'm not turning back. Hey? There's nothing in sight. I don't see anybody. Why should we turn back? Hello, Mitch. Mitch, can you hear us? No crew personnel are allowed in this section. Hello, Doc. Go back immediately. Mitch, do you hear that voice? Yes, of course, Doc. And you can see us? Yeah, Jet, sure we can. Can that vision phone go on ahead of us? Well, I, I should think so. We've been following you easily enough for the last ten minutes. How far ahead are you? About thirty yards. Then keep that distance. We'll move on. If you see anything that might mean danger, let us know before we reach it. No crew personnel are allowed in this section. Go back immediately. Come on, Doc. And you, Lemmy. Now, wait a minute. Jim. Come on and don't argue. Hello, Mitch. Hello, Jed. It's still clear ahead. Not that we can see very far with the corridor curving round the way it does. That's strange. What was all the fuss about then? Ah, oh, goodness knows. But it must have meant something. Well, we haven't heard that voice for some minutes now. He must be getting ready to do us, that's why. Attention! Oh, blimey! Hold it. You have ignored the order not to proceed. Well, what are you going to do about it? Personnel proceeding beyond this point do so at their own peril. He's a cheerful character, isn't he? Hello, can you hear me? Go back. I asked if you could hear me. Go back. The least you can do, mate, is answer a civil question. Go back. He wants us to go back. Hello, Mitch. Hearing you. You're still ahead of us. Yes, yes. You have ignored the order not to proceed. Why does he keep saying the same old thing? And it's still clear, Mitch. Yeah, yes, just the corridor following the same curve. 
He must have gone nearly halfway around the circle by now. Personnel proceeding beyond oh. this point do so at their own peril. All right, all right. You said that before. There's no sign of anybody, Mitch? No, Jet. Go back. Oh, shut up. No doors or openings in the walls or anything like that? Oh, not that I can see. Then we'll keep going. We would. Go back. Do you think you should, Jet? Why not? Why not? That Martian or whatever he has given all those warnings. He's been doing that for ten minutes or more. Nothing's happened to us yet. Go back. Oh, if he'd answer just one of my questions, maybe he would take notice of what he's saying. I'm not so sure he's even hearing you. But why not, Mitch? You can. And what an odd voice he's got. Voice? He sounds like a whole perishing choir. You have ignored the warning not to proceed. Why does he keep saying the same old thing? Maybe that's the only English he knows. Well, it sounds to me as though he just keeps repeating the same orders at regular intervals. Mm, we go on, then? Yes, come on. Go back. And what if we refuse? He still isn't answering. Go back. Or is he? Still clear, Mitch? Yeah, Jet. Go back. Ah, uh, go and eat coke. Hey, Jet. Jet, can you hear me? Yes, Mitch. You'll soon be coming to the end of this corridor. Oh, then it, it doesn't go round in a full circle. No, it doesn't. It leads to a wall with a door in it. What kind of door? Ah, just like most of the doors we've seen in this place up to now. Big, hefty, and I should think airtight. Is that where his nips is? Behind that door? Now, how should I know? But take it easy, fellas. You'll be round to it in just a couple of minutes. This is the last warning. Aye, aye, he's back again. Go back immediately. Who are you? Where are you? Why don't you answer us? Go back. Hold it. The door. There it is. Yes. And there's another one in the side wall. And another one opposite. This is your last opportunity to return to your quarters. We have no quarters on this ship, mate. We're stowaways. Doc, let me. Yes, Jeff. Well, Wait here. I'm going on alone. I? I'm going to examine that door, the one facing us. If anything should happen, it's best that it happens to only one of us. Well, watch it, Jeff. You think I won't, Mitch? I've already had a close look at that door on the screen up here. Well, do you see how to open it? No, there's no control of any kind that I can detect. If you did, you couldn't operate it from up there. I'm going up to that door now. I don't intend to touch it or anything near it until I've looked it over thoroughly. Very well, if you must. Here I go. Go back immediately. Answer my questions and perhaps I will. Who are you? Go back. No, I shan't. Well, is that the door now? What do you see, Jet? Nothing much, Doc. It's as smooth as glass, just as all the other doors are. Blimey, what's that? Captain Morgan! Captain Morgan! And who's that? That's no Martian. Don't touch that door! Jet, look out. Don't touch it. Too late. He's done it. And something's happened to him. Come on, let me, quick. Hello, Doc. Can you hear me? Hello. What on earth happened, Frank? Well, I don't know, Mitch. As soon as Jet approached the door, that noisy signal came on and the picture cut out. He did reach the door, didn't he? Yes, he, he actually touched it, and then he seemed to recoil from it violently. Well, try and get that picture back for Pete's sake. We must find out what happened. Well, I'm doing my best, but this thing doesn't seem to respond. Oh, wait a minute, here's something. Oh, thank goodness for that. Oh, oh that's not a picture of the corridor. Oh, it's that control room again. And tune it out quick before that foreman, as Lemmy calls him, starts asking for his orders. Right. You did tune it properly, Frank. Well, well, I think I did. Well, have another go. Hey, this is a place we haven't seen before. What the? What's that? 
That must be one of the hangers or whatever the Martians call them, where they store their spheres. Yeah, but look at that one in the center. Look at the size of it. I've never seen a sphere that big before. Well, neither have I. Surely that must be used for bigger flights than just ferrying from a close orbit down to the Martian surface. Well, it must be. Uh, rotate the camera, Frank. While we're here, let's have a good look round. Yes, but what about Jet and Doc? Well, it's just for a few seconds. We may never find this place again. All right. Yeah, it's shaped like a colossal bow. See if it has a roof. Right. No, it hasn't. There's the sky. Those spheres are stored in one of the craters we saw out on the surface. Well, is every crater filled with spheres, then? Uh, I shouldn't think they're all big enough for that. Oh, do you want to see any more? No, but we must remember to tell Jet about this. Maybe that we can find our way up to that place sometime. That big ship, if it's controllable, might be just the thing we need to get away from here. Yes, but we don't even know on what part of the asteroid that crater's situated. Well, Paddy might. No, he'll tell us. Yeah, he might, if he ever comes back. And always assuming Jet will be in a fit condition to go looking for it. Look, try that thing again. See if you can find that corridor. If we can tune into other places, we should be able to tune into that. Hey, that's it, isn't it? Yes, at last. There's the door. The one Jet touched. Yeah, but where is Jet? Or Doc and Lemmy, for that matter. That corridor's empty. They've disappeared. Mitch needn't have worried. It was quite true that when he finally found the corridor in which the door leading to the Martian quarters was situated, Lemmy, Jet, and I had gone. But we had not been spirited away, nor overcome by any strange creature that had emerged from the room. The moment Jet collapsed, Lemmy and I, of course, ran to his aid. He lay unconscious on the floor, and nothing I could do would rouse him. Jet! Jet! He must have received some kind of shock when he touched that door. What, an electric shock, you mean? Yeah, something like that. Now what? Oh, look out, Doc. The door, it's opening. What? Not that one, the one behind you. Paddy. I told him not to touch that door. You were a bit late with your advice, mate. Well, pick him up and follow me. Where to, Paddy? Through here. We'll take him down to sick quarters. Right. Sure thing. Pick him up, Lemmy, and don't touch that door. Ah, right? uh, it wouldn't matter now, anyway. What do you mean, it wouldn't matter? Well, touch it and see. Not me, mate. You carry out your own experiments. You think I'm telling a lie? Ah. Eh? Now do you believe me? Well, uh... But when Jet touched it, it knocked him cold. Didn't you hear Nicholas give you a last warning? Nicholas? Yes, the Martian. Who did you think it was? But what's his last warning got to do with that door being harmless now? Well, it's like this, you see. No asteroidal personnel are supposed to come along here. So old Nick was saying. If they do, they get a warning to turn back. If they keep going, they get another. And then if they haven't gone back by that time, the door comes alive and a warning sounds all over the ship. And I come running up here to get the victim. Victim? Well, I call him that because by the time I get here, he touched the door and he's lying flat on his back just like Captain Morgan is now. And the door? The shock apparatus switches itself off just as soon as I get here. How many others have touched that door? Only two. They never do it again, and the next time we touch down on Mars, they're taken off the asteroids and put to work in the factories. Oh, was that? Because no fully conditioned personnel would dare disobey Nick's orders. They would turn back long before they got to the door. And if they don't? It means their conditioning must be wearing off and they're no longer considered fit for asteroid crew work. Up here, when an order is given, it is obeyed. Paddy. It must be. Paddy. Yes? Have you ever tried going through that door? I've got better sense. 
If just touching it can lay you out, what must the result of going inside be? You've no idea what's in there, then? Oh, yes. Nicholas. He's in there. I told you, there's a Martian on every asteroid, and that's where he lives. Mm, but he never comes out, and you've never seen him. No, no. And now can you be sure he's in there? You heard him talking, didn't you? Ah, uh, that's not proof that he's in there. He certainly didn't reply to any of our questions. Uh, Martians don't answer questions. They give orders. And they expect them to be obeyed. Nick's in there, all right. You can take it from me. Now, do we take Captain Morgan downstairs, or do we leave him lying down there all day? Uh, pick him up, Lemmy. Yes, Doc. Help. Yeah, there we are. Come on, then. In you go. Straight down the slope and turn left. That's it. Now bring him in and lay him on one of the beds. Is this the sick quarters? Yes. You don't do much business here, do you? Now what do we do about Jet, Paddy? Ah, nothing. Nothing? Ah, just let him lie quietly for a while until the effect of the shock wears off. Usually takes, uh, about a half hour or so. I see. We just have to be patient, like. Patient is right where you're concerned. Oh, what do you mean by that? Well, what do you think we were doing up there outside that Martian's door anyway? Looking for me. How did you know? Well, I knew that if I didn't return to the televiewer room, you wouldn't just sit and wait. Well, you said you wouldn't be gone for more than five minutes. Well, really, I didn't intend to be. Fact is, after I left you, I was called down to the main control room. Oh, you might have told us. I hadn't the time. I had some very important things to attend to. Well, what things, Paddy? I had to get the ship underway. What? Yes, it's true. We've been traveling through space for more than two hours. Eh? We're on our way to join the main fleet. And when do we meet them? Oh, I don't know. But you can bet your life it won't be long from now. And then? And then when the whole fleet is assembled, we start out for Earth. What? But don't worry about that. I'm sure neither Nicholas nor any other Martian knows of our plan to appropriate a sphere to make a landing on Earth ourselves. It's not that that worries us, mate. Oh? No, Paddy. We don't care if we never get back to Earth. Huh? So long as we can prevent that invasion taking place. But you can never stop them now. Nothing can stop them. Jet came to about 15 minutes later. The shock he had received didn't seem to have caused him any physical harm. All he remembered was approaching the door and putting his hand on it. Then he said he thought he received a severe blow on the back of the head. A blow, or so he described it, curiously without pain. The next thing he knew, he was lying on the bed. Anyway, Jet soon forgot the door and the way it had treated him when he learned the news that the asteroid was on its way to join the rest of the Martian invasion fleet. He bombarded Paddy with questions, but the Irishman could tell him nothing except that we'd been underway for several hours. He didn't even know in which direction we were traveling. All he knew with certainty was that as soon as we'd kept our rendezvous with the other asteroids that formed the fleet, we would be on our way to Earth. We soon realized that Paddy really had little idea of anything other than his duties aboard the asteroid. Everything on the ship was so designed that it could be controlled by men with the most elementary training. And there seemed no more to running the ship than manipulating a few controls and levers. But if Paddy could give us little information, there was a lot we could find out for ourselves. With this aim in view, 
we returned to the great televiewer room where we projected a picture of the asteroid's surface and the surrounding sky onto the giant screen. The three-dimensional picture was so vivid, so realistic, that it was difficult to believe that we were not gazing at the fascinating scene through a great hole in the wall. As the asteroid rotated, once every four hours or so, we saw the whole heavens revolve before us. Mars, the Earth, and Jupiter with its 12 attendant moons all passed across our screen in their turn. We watched the awe-inspiring picture for hours, and with the aid of improvised instruments, hasty calculations, and, I must admit, not a little guesswork, we finally arrived at a rough estimate of our speed and position. 60,000 miles an hour? But that's fantastic. Only twice as fast as the speed Discovery was capable of. Yet I hardly noticed any acceleration yet. Of course not. It must have taken us hours to reach the final speed. The Discovery does it in a matter of minutes. What about that course? Oh, that's the biggest shock of all. Why, we're going to Earth, aren't we? No, Lemmy, we're not. Aye? So far as we can tell, and our calculations are very far from accurate... Well... We are heading in exactly the opposite direction. But where to? At a rough guess, I'd say Jupiter. Jupiter? Oh, no. Yes, Lemmy. not going back to Earth at all. Not at the moment we're not, Penny. But how far is Jupiter from the Earth? Its mean distance is roughly 390 million miles. Uh, uh, and we don't go anywhere near Earth to get to Jupiter. For a man in charge of the biggest spaceship you can imagine, you don't know much, do you? Oh, uh, why should I? Sure, before I came up here, I didn't even know Mars was a planet. I thought it was a star. But I'm not as bad as the rest of the crew. They think they're still down on Earth. Now, listen carefully, Paddy. Yes, sir? Have you ever been out as far as Jupiter before, or heard of any other asteroid that has? I did hear of an expedition going out to start a colony on one of its moons. Oh? Yes. When the Martians decided that they'd have to leave their planet, they thought a Jovian moon would serve as a new home for them. Like. Well, what happened? Oh, it was too cold. Or the atmosphere was too thin or something. Anyway, the idea was abandoned. And they decided to invade Earth instead? Oh, I suppose so, yes. Then why should this asteroid be heading out towards Jupiter? Oh, I shouldn't think it is going all the way. It must be heading for the asteroidal belt. What for? Maybe there's a new ship just being completed. A new and ship? A new asteroid like this one. Oh. You know, it takes ten years to dig into an asteroid this size, install all the equipment and convert it into a ship. You mean every time the Martians need a new ship, they convert a minor planet from the asteroidal belt? Where else would they get them from? The Martians have to live somewhere. Their own planet can't support them anymore. At least not on the surface. Or so I've been told. And when did they get the idea of colonizing the Earth? Oh, I don't know. They've been getting ready for it for years and years. Long before I got here. And it must be a long time. Lemmy. Wow. Or maybe the invasion fleet is assembling in the asteroidal belt. If they are, there's no guarantee that this asteroid is going with them. Oh, don't say such things, Captain Morgan. But I am saying them, Paddy. The fact is, you're not sure what the ship is doing or where it's going. Well, I... For all you know, the invasion fleet has already left. Yeah, but... And if it has, we must warn Earth. And how do you propose to do that? Well, this thing carries a radio, doesn't it? Not that I've ever seen. But it must, Paddy. Why should it? Nobody here has ever any need of one. 
The only people I ever communicate with are on the ship. And I can speak to them over the intercommunication system and see them, too. And what about that Martian? The one that gives you orders? Where does he get his orders from? Oh, no. Yes, oh, no. They must come from outside the ship. Either from another asteroid or from Mars itself. Yes, I suppose so. But if they do... Nicholas's radio machine must be where he is. It would be. A fat chance of using that, then. Even if we had any idea of how to operate it, which we certainly haven't. What do we do, then? Build one for ourselves? We have a perfectly good radio on the Discovery. But that's down in the Mario Australis, on Mars. Paddy, you've got to stop this ship. Turn it round and head back to the Red Planet. But I can't! Only Nicholas knows how to do that. You're quite sure the orders come from him? Yes, I do. The ship is not controlled from outside, by remote control. No, no. Nicholas receives his orders from outside, and then decides what orders he has to give according to those he receives. Well, what orders would he give to stop this asteroid and set it on course back to Mars? Oh, oh now, that wouldn't be easy. It's quite a complicated business. When the time comes to stop... I'm giving orders all the time, passing them on as fast as I receive them. And you receive them from Nicholas? Yes, of course. How? Over the intercommunication system. But he doesn't tell me what the instructions mean. I don't understand. Uh, Surely. Well, now, what I mean is, he just spouts out a long string of orders. I don't know what results they would produce until it actually happens. But the same order must always produce the same result. Oh, really. it does, yes, yes. Can you remember any specific one? Oh, there's a powerful lot of them. Well, I remember a few. Could you stop this thing? Just stop it? Uh, yes, I could. Fine. Then do it. Now? Yes, go ahead. What do you do first? Well, I don't do it exactly. Then who does, Paddy? Uh, Nicholas, But he... you just said you could do it. Ah, uh, well, what happens, you see, is Nicholas comes on and tells me to stop the ship. And then? And then I tune into main control and tell, the, tell them, like, to stand by. Yeah? And then when we're ready, I press the little button in the control panel here. That is the marshal. The orders you hear now would slow the ship down. Is that a recording? Of course. But it makes no difference to those condition types down in the control section. Recording or no recording. Whatever they hear him say, they do. Can I hear him now? Oh, no. He can't be heard beyond this room at the moment. Have you anything else? I have, yes. Stabilizing procedure. Control section 1. Operator 1C. Panel 2. Green. Depress. Operator 2B. Panel 3. Blue. Release. And so on and so on. How is that voice reproduced? On here. What's that? The recorder. Well, the next time Nicholas gives any orders, I want you to record them, every one. What for? Because playing back the tapes might well give us a clue as to how the ship is propelled and how to control it. Ah, but why bother? Nicholas handles all that kind of thing anyway. Because, Paddy, by listening to his orders repeatedly, by learning what they do, we could almost certainly learn how to control the ship ourselves. Ah, now I wonder why I didn't think of that. I wonder. Have you anything else on there besides slowing down and stabilizing routines? Indeed, I have. Listen. Oh, that choir. So that's where that singing has been coming from. Do you like it? What's the idea? It's the rebel song. I composed it myself. Oh, did you know? Well, you can't lead a rebellion and not have a rebel song. I have it played over to every part of the ship, at least once in every 24 hours. I order the men to sing it whenever they're marching to and from their living quarters. But what do you hope to achieve by that? And doesn't the Martian realize what you're doing? Oh, that's the funny thing. 
He doesn't seem to mind at all. Have you talked to him about it? Oh, no. I told you before, he's not a man you can talk to. He does the talking. He never listens to what anybody else has to say. So we discovered. What else have you got on there? Well, we've got Manning the Bay's routine. The Bay's? The Sphere Bay's, where we keep the spheres. The ferry ships that go down to the Martian surface. Shift changeover announcements. Sphere crew assembly. Haven't you anything but routine stuff? Or is everything the Martian would ever want to say already recorded? Oh, no, no. Then what orders does he give? In his own voice, I mean. Well, he sets speed and course and gives orders concerning anything else outside normal routine. But you wouldn't know how to do that? Uh, set a course, I mean. Oh, no, no. It's far too complicated for me to understand. And I don't do anything unless ordered to. All right, Petty. Stop the ship. Huh? Go on, it's an order. But Nicholas hasn't ordered it. I realize that. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Terrible things might happen. Well, why should they? I've never done anything like this without being told. Frank. Yes, Jet? Uh, tune into control section. Right. Now, wait a minute, oh. Captain Moran. I thought you were a rebel. I am, but... Well, the rebellion's beginning quicker than you thought, mate. But I didn't plan anything like this. All I wanted to do was to get back to work. Then what was all this talk about you running this place? An old Nick only thinking he no, did. That was only big talk to impress you. You see, Okay, I... Jet, control section, and the fellow in charge is coming over for his orders. Tell him, Paddy. Tell him to stand by to slow down the ship and to stop. I didn't. What are your orders? Go on, Paddy. He's waiting. No. You don't know what you're doing. What are your orders? Here, Jack, leave this to me. No, let me listen. Stand by to slow down ship. Orders not understood. I said stand by to slow down ship. Is that clear? Uh, I mean, is that clear? Orders received and understood. Oh, well, that seems to have done the trick. Hadn't we better give the order? Yes. Now, which control was it, Paddy? Uh, now, wait a minute. Which now, one? That one. That's it. Attention, attention. That's it, all right. Control, section one, operator 2A. Hey, third table from the left. You see that fella sit up there? Yeah, that must be operator 2A. And he's doing it. Listen to every order. Watch every move. Operator 3C, panel 3, blow, release. Operator 3C, second from the right. Dog. Do you feel anything? A tendency to lean over to one side. We must be decelerating. It's working. Operator 4C, panel H, red, release. I'll say it's working. I can hardly keep my feet. Operator 4C, panel J, green, release. The rate of deceleration must be on the increase. It's not easy to remain upright. And what's that noise? That humming, you mean? Yeah, Jeff. I haven't heard that before. No, neither have I. And it's getting louder. Paddy, what does that noise mean? Oh, look at him. It's gone as white as a sheep. Paddy. The ship. What about it? I think it's out of control. But how can it be? All we did was give the order to slow down. I've never felt this sensation before. It's because of the deceleration. It must be extremely rapid. This is the first time I've ever noticed it. Paddy, look out. Oh, he crashed into the chair. Has he hurt himself, Doc? Wait till I go to see him. I'll tell you. Watch out you don't lose your own balance. Paddy. Uh, that's enough in cold. Oh, blimey, now what? Emergency. Emergency? Then there must be something wrong. Oh, you didn't think this was a normal course of events, did you let me? Well, how should I know? I've never been on a Martian asteroid before. Doc, how's Paddy? That fall must have hurt him. I can't rouse him. Emergency, emergency. Then do something about it for Pete's sake. Oh, no. Music at a time like this. Lie down, Lemmy. Mitch, lie down. Now what's he spouting about? Let me look out. Ooh, ooh. Let me. Let me. Are you all right? Let me. Don't worry about him, Mitch. Look out for yourself. 
grasp the control table. Hang on. I can't. I can't reach it. The pressure's getting stronger. Everybody's sliding across the floor. Watch out for the wall, Mitch. You'll crash into it. Watch out. That was episode 12 of Journey into Space. Taking part in this recording were Andrew Foles as Jet Morgan, Alfie Bass as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, and Don Sharp as Mitch. Other parts were played by David Jacobs and Pat Campbell. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. Journey into Space was written and produced for the BBC by Charles Chilton. You can hear episode 13 at the same time next week. John Florence presents tonight's edition of the Radio 2 Arts Programme from BBC Pebble Mill in Birmingham. John will be taking a look at various arts events occurring in the Midlands, including an interview with John Worthen, the author of a major new biography of D.H. Lawrence. The programme also features a preview of the new rep season at Nottingham Playhouse and takes a look at the 7th Birmingham International Film and Television Festival, which starts today. The Radio 2 Arts programme is at two minutes past ten. But now it's just after half past seven. <laughs>